Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Anyone born from, say, the 1950s to the 1990s, I reckon they'd know a thing or two about the driving family holiday. Because flights anywhere, especially for a family back then, they were just hugely expensive. So we didn't just hop on planes like folk do now. Families would pack the car so heavy, the tyres looked flat, and then they would drive down a long highway for torturous hours on end to a chorus of I Spy With My Little Eye, Are we there yet? And, of course, the old classic, insert name, Stop hitting me! On those long drives, inevitably there'd be a stop at a monument of some sort. It would be large in scale, a little bit dodgy, cobbled together with chicken wire, paper mache and cement. Not a very professional manner, but it looked amazing, especially from a distance. So whether it came in the form of a big koala big prawn or a beautiful big banana, I reckon these creations were a bright spot on an otherwise very long journey for both kids and parents alike. Little did we know that these big things actually acted as a beacon for towns to lure in weary travellers. And these big things often represented the town's industry and the good thing about them was they brought traffic through a place that may have been trying desperately to survive. But these big things embody so much more than just representing the industry or the novelty. Sometimes they embodied a town's struggles and spoke of a very human desire to leave our mark on a place, to be remembered. This is Our Place, a podcast that aims to explore exactly what is Australian culture today through the designs of our everyday life. If culture is how we tell our stories to each other and share our stories with the world, what is that story right now? And how can we use that story to create a new and positive narrative for the future? Back to big things, I guess I could suggest that the modern iteration of a big thing would be those huge old grey wheat silos that were recently transformed into murals painted by renowned artists. This is Shane Wardle. He's a farmer from Brim, a small town, population around 170, located in northwestern Victoria and they were the first town in Victoria to get one of these murals on their silos and it was so successful it started a trend that's seen silo tours now dotted around the country, bringing people to these tiny towns and money at a time when it's most needed. Sorry if I'm a bit jittery, but this paint's a bit rough across here. That's fine. So you're harvesting right at the moment, you're in a big, big harvester. Yeah, no, I'm in the truck, actually. Oh, you're in the truck. I'm in the truck, I'm just driving across the paddock to get away. Shane's not only a farmer, he's the chairman of the Brim Active Community Group, which was the local community organisation who facilitated the very first art mural. And in the town of Brim, painted by artist Guido Van Helton. Since then, as I mentioned, 
Murals have been painted on silos along a 200-kilometre stretch of highway, which is now dubbed the Silo Art Trail. It's had a huge effect on those regional communities, some of which the highway that used to bring in traffic bypassed long ago. While these murals are a little more, shall we say, artistic and creative than perhaps the more humble and more traditional big thing like your big banana or your big pineapple, in essence they do share similar traits – They capture the spirit of a community represented in enormous scale. And Shane reckons it's had a huge impact on Brim, even though there was some resistance initially. Here's what Shane says went down at the time they were deciding to paint the local silo. Uh, Well, we sort of moulded over a bit for a start. We thought, well, it can't have to be that somebody might want to come and have a look at it. And apparently more than a few people wanted to come and have a look at it and and it worked out so well that now we were the first, we were the first silo this side of Australia. Like I was talking to one bloke, I don't know, a year after it was done probably. And he said, if they told you back then it was going to cost you, you know, $20,000 or something or whatever, um, he said, you'd never get it done. And he said, now if they said it's going to cost you 20000 you wouldn't hesitate. So just a difference. Like uh, a lot of people thought it was money. Not well spent, but in the long run, it turned out to be money very well spent. So, which is which is very good. And if we hadn't have done ours, there probably wouldn't be any aliens around the place too. And also, I wanted your thoughts too. You know, has it changed locals' perspective about the value of art? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think it has. It, it's made people realise that um, art's very good for tourism and there's a lot of people out there who are interested in art and you don't realise, like when you come and have a look at the size, which is art on a large scale, um, you don't realise how good it is until you see it. So I think it, it has changed a lot of people's perspective about art. Perhaps not some arts, but you know that sort of art and things you can recognise and understand. That first big mural in Brim has clearly had a huge impact on the local community. It brought newcomers and art lovers into the town with all the financial benefits that brings. But from what I can gather, it also changed some of the locals' ideas about art and the value of art. But back to the original big things. Those big koalas and pineapples, which I I wouldn't necessarily categorise as art, but they were made by an artful hand with a massive dose of good intentions. There are still hundreds that dot roads all across the country. Some are loved and well-maintained. Others are now in a state of disrepair. Lucky for me, I found someone else with a rather niche obsession for big things, and that is Amy Clark, who's a senior lecturer in history and the history discipline leader at the University of the Sunshine Coast. Now, she specialises in architecture, popular culture and identity politics. I'm not sure how big things fit into that field of study, but we're about to find out. Amy Clark, as a as a a, a university scholar, um, it seems like an odd choice to be interested in big things. <laughs> why? Why? What piqued your interest in big things around Australia? You know, I'll um, I'll I'll happily confess that I did it initially to piss some people off. <laughs> I love that. Um, Tell me more. Well, so I'm a I'm a architectural historian by training and architectural historians are very serious boring people Mm. uh and I do not consider myself to be like that and we have an annual conference that 
all architectural historians of Australia and New Zealand attend. And a couple of years ago in Canberra, the conference theme was quotation, uh, which I just thought, like, honest to God, academics are not helping themselves sell, you know, them being cool because that is the most boring theme that you could possibly have. So I just thought, you know, everyone else is going to talk about Frank Lloyd Wright and nonsense and I'm just going to stick it to them all and I'm going to show up and talk about real world quotations of small things writ large on the side of the road. Uh, So, you know, pineapple, banana, whatever. Um, as big, big architectural forms. And I genuinely like was the whole time I was putting it together was like laughing to myself thinking <laughs> like these idiots are going to hate mm-hmm. this. I'm, I'm going to get. And I, t- I showed up and gave it and everyone loved it. Um, everyone was super into it. And all of these people that I previously had thought were really grumpy, horrible people <laughs> uh were like yeah this is amazing like this is like are you writing a book about this and That's it actually great. well it actually really made me take a step back and look at my own perspective of this like I I was sort of the hipster making fun of it um and then I realized that actually it's quite a serious topic mm. that that people genuinely are invested in and could see merit in uh and I thought okay maybe this maybe this is something that I should invest a bit more time in. Um, But it wasn't actually until I wrote a piece for the conversation that got picked up by ABC News Online um, about big things that went strangely viral. Um, Like the New York Times and Washington Post were like sharing it and stuff. Incredible. Um, Yeah, but it was just that it was at that that was the real moment for me where I thought, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to have to put aside all of the stuff that I'm actually an expert in <laughs> and, become, and Look, become an expert in big things. Well, you're a woman after my own heart because I yeah. I love big things and, and probably for all the right and all the wrong reasons, it's it's a lot to do with nostalgia for me and I imagine yeah, totally. that's for everybody else as well. We grew up going on family holidays, driving long drives because no one could afford to fly anywhere and many towns as a way to get you to enter their town and spend some money or take some photos or use the loose or whatever, they would have a big thing that represented perhaps the industry of their town or um, something else that was significant historically and... that really taps into that nostalgia of, of Australia at a time when we were sort of growing and learning about ourselves. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. Um, and I, I think this is where my joking love of this topic turned into an, a genuine obsession. Mm. And it's now, it is now a life, it'll be a lifelong passion for me because I've come to realise that. Join the um, club. Yeah, you know, it, it is a very fun topic, but it is also this beautiful uh, reflection of how people have felt and how they still feel about themselves, particularly in more rural areas around Australia. That you, we don't tend to have as many of them in the big cities in Australia. Um, and I, I mean, I remember growing up seeing them as well and thinking they were amazing. And this topic coming back to this topic as a, as a grown-up uh has really opened my eyes to the sort of everyday beauty of of these objects as well which I think maybe as an academic I'd, I'd sort of trained myself not to see because I wasn't wanting to see these as serious things and 
you know, I think the everyday person hasn't had that bashed out of them. And so they still appreciate these objects as genuine works of art, which, you know, I, I think people would laugh at me saying, but many of them are incredibly beautiful. Um, and even the ones that aren't, there is this odd attraction that I think we have to them when they're run down hmm. or they look a little bit sloppy, you know, a little bit thrown together that in itself is really amazing. You know, I think like, I don't know whether it's the Australian, the Australian sort of underdog. We just, we really appreciate that these things have been put together by a community and they've stood by them regardless of how silly they look or I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's just something about them now that really compels me to want to know more about each and every one of them. Mm. And I think most people feel the same way. Far from thrown together were the huge murals on the silos in regional Victoria that our farmer Shane Wardle was talking about earlier. Their creation took much painstaking planning long before they were painted. Jessie Holmes has been instrumental in the process and has been involved in getting murals painted on silos all over the state. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. My name is Jessie Holmes and I'm the CEO at Yarry Ambiak Shire Council. And Jessie, how long have you been in the area? So, yeah, I'm born and bred across the Wimmera Mallee. So uh, I grew up in Dimboola um, and then spent some time away for university and then came back to Horsham, Birchip, um, and back in Horsham. So I've never really left the area. No. What, what brings you back to the area all the time? Uh, the, the landscape, the people, the community. Um, it's, it's home, really. Yeah. Well, um, I, I grew up in Donald in central Victoria, so at least it was one of the places where I lived. So I know the area well, and um, I hate to tell you, we used to call Birchip Birdshit. Do you do that? Because <laughs> we played against Not much them in the footy. <laughs> we, um, so my mum was born in Watcham and my dad in St Arnold. So, yeah. yeah, it's sort of, um, yeah, it's a bit of a, once you're from the area, it is the legacy stays and, and the uh, the antagonism between the clubs until they merge is usually quite <laughs> heightened and then they merge and it's sort of solidarity against everybody else after that. That's so. right. Sport's the winner in the end, isn't it? It is. So where do you live, Jesse? Yeah, so I live in Horsham. Which is slap back in the centre of the Silo Art Trail and the very first town to get an art piece on the Silo was the town called Brim. Tell us about the town of Brim. It's, it's a small community, so the population of Brim would probably be about oh, 170 people um, in the community and surrounds and um, has a very uh, well regarded caravan park at Redis Park, which is um, a great place to say if you're travelling through. So so you come in and, and to the, the communities to the left of the highway um, and the silos are to the right. So, yeah, so they're, they're quite um, 
they're quite large. Like it's, it's kind of like hard to give scale because they're so big. But um, yeah, they're they're large kind of large concrete circular cylinders and they're like a faded yellow because I've obviously been in the sun for so long. Um, I'm trying to just even think of what the, the size might be. A couple of I stories, wouldn't it? it? Yeah, it would It would be, yeah, the equivalent of probably eight to ten stories high. Oh, I said a couple, that's a lot. That's, they yeah. are, they're huge and they're very <laughs> they're, they're imposing. Huge. And they've been they there as a sign of, I guess, the, the, the agriculture and the economy. It, it represents very much what the town was about, didn't it? Yeah. Well, and, and the whole entire Wimmeramalian landscape. So, you know, we, we still continue to produce, you know, an extraordinary amount of um, of grain that gets, you know, used locally or exported. And um, and whilst maybe the, the silos aren't used the way that they used to be because things are containerized and moved on trucks and trains and, um, and storage is happening on farm, they're still um, scattered across the landscape. And, um, and it, it's, it's kind of odd because they've been there so long they're part of the landscape, even though they're not natural, but they look naturally there when you're in the landscape because you're just so used to seeing them every so often as you go along where the old, um, you know, original kind of surveying and um, that took place for towns, you know, the next railway got a, another set of silos and then the next railway stop got another set of silos. So when you're in the landscape and you're living in the community, um, you kind of don't even notice them. You become a little bit immune to them in the sense of, you know, you see them so often. You're like, oh, yeah, there are silos at that crossing or, you know, or that location, but you can't really kind of recollect them. It's almost like if you've been on a tour of England and all the churches start to look the same after a while. Um, I love that comparison that they're like the town's churches. It's such a beautiful idea. Um, Getting people to come and stop in your town, which is... I guess originally what the the big things like the big pineapple and the big prawn would do in in those days, although in a rather different way, it's kind of it's it's the not kitsch version of this, isn't it? Well, there, there is kind of you know those big concepts, and uh, like I remember, you know, as a family, a horrific drive to Queensland <laughs> to go and stay <laughs> on the coast in the car, arguing with my brothers. Um, and stopping along at those, those things. And though, those bigs are often, you know, significant community, not just from a tourism attraction perspective, but they signify something significant for the community as well. You know, that it's a large, you know, crayfish area or it's a large pineapple area or whatever it might be. And and I think the Silo Art Trail does that as well. There's the recognition of the agricultural element. Um, you know, there's this new layer around the value of, of art and what art can do to reflect cultural significance. But there's also this, you know, third layer around the actual works that are on the um, on the silos, you know, signify important cultural elements as well. So, you know, whether it's... Um, the silos at Rupp um, with Julia Bokovic were around the recognition that sport plays in, in local communities, which we joked about at the start. And, mm. you know, um, and huge. Yeah. And, you know, Sheep Hills with Adnati is, is the, um, is a story of Aboriginal Australians. And, you know, um, that was in conjunction with Bradgie and Land Council, um, which is the responsible um, Aboriginal group for, for this area with the Watchabolic people. So I think that there's, you know, there's this storytelling around the significance that that big things have always been able to tell that are culturally significant, if not direct literal translations, and still of of really you know deep significance in relation to the area itself. Oh, I love it. How does oh, how did the community of of Brim 
which was the first community to, mm-hmm. to do the silo art. Tell me about the artwork and, and how the locals responded to that. Yeah, it was um, it was really interesting. So the the four um, people that are depicted on the silos are um, are locals. So there's you know um, they like to remain anonymous. Obviously, the locals know who they are, mm. um, but you know it's it's the it's supposed to show the kind of multi generational impact of of farming across the community. And there's three males and one female. Um, on that as well and you know some younger and older um, representations of demographics as well um and it's you know the detail is is incredible but it's also it captures um you know the the attire like the you know the, the clothing the hats just the, the sun the unrelenting kind of melly heat that that happens as well um across the area so it's a you know the the significance is supposed to be around strength and resilience of the local farming community and you know, i think it really does that i think it really shows you know they've all got this like little wry smile on their face as they're going about their business um and it's you know it's really around that there's you know there's absolutely the economic pressure that comes from farming mm. um and you know there's you know there's this kind of whole impact around you know not just changing climates but changing agriculture techniques and you know the fact that as generations take on farming um it's really you know it really is in your blood eventually so yeah. um it's that energy um around that as well and and I think you it really does well to capture that um succinctly and beautifully really but also too you know growing up in those towns the townspeople get to experience art in a way that that you know I can't I couldn't have imagined in in my small town I think it's just wonderful because I mean art can really help you understand the world or at least change your perspective or encourage you to look at look at things differently and um I, I love that so do I. And and when you go through the communities and, and you speak to them and they look they're looking at opportunities to bring people and encourage people to attend um the, the different experiences then they get to um you know, they get to show off their towns and the things that they're yeah. proud of and they should have the opportunity to do that because they should be proud of what they've achieved. And it's a it's a great area, all of it, where you've you've established the silos and it's a wonderful thing. I, I love it. I'm a huge fan. I'm gonna have to do it one day. I haven't done it yet. So Oh my goodness. Shame yeah. on you. I know, I know. Well, you know, I could have done it this year, but um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, we welcome you at any time. So the next time you drive through a small town that has some sort of big thing, whether it be a mural painted on a silo or maybe even a big brown potato, whatever form it comes, I want you to do the obvious. I want you to stop. I want you to take a look, of course. But I'd also love you to have a think about what this monument really says about that town. I can pretty much guarantee you that the big thing says that the town is proud, that they're resilient, that their industry or the area means a lot to their identity and they want to share that with you. And most important of all that they want you to engage with them. As the world becomes more and more polarised every day, surely this is just the thing we need. I also have a hunch that Australia's love affair with the big thing won't ever disappear because whatever form they might take, they all have the same sort of spirit, that can-do attitude behind them to take a wild idea that seems absolutely nuts on paper and then just run with it, just do it to the adoration of those travelling through who simply need an excuse to stop for a cuppa and to stretch the legs. 
And you know what? I am not surprised that our academic, Amy Clark, reckons the big things are here for the long haul. I think it's safe to say we love a big thing here in Australia, don't we? Yeah. And, you know, I think there might have been a moment in time where we had a little bit of a cringe about it, that cultural cringe that we had about many things perhaps about being Australian. Um, I certainly remember having a moment of, oh, like shuddering when people, when I lived in the UK and people would ask me about Crocodile Dundee, for example. I think we've all, <laughs> we've all had that experience. Um, but I, I actually think that in the last few years and perhaps actually with, with the bushfires last year and then with COVID this year, I think there has been some sort of psychological shift where we've started to look more closely at who we are as Australians. Um, and I think perhaps we're starting to appreciate these big things anew as things to be really proud of and, mm. and to love just for the sake of loving them, regardless of whether they're good or bad um, as artworks. I think there's something quite beautiful about the way Australians have embraced these as, as things to be excited about, which I just love. Well, Amy, um, thank you so much for your expertise. I've, I've loved chatting to you about big things. It's, oh, it's one of my favourite, favourite things. So um, thank you. Oh, look, any time you want to talk big things, I can talk for hours. Oh, you're brilliant. I love it. I can't believe I found you just by doing a little Google search. And I went, oh, here's, here's a lady after I mean, my own heart. It's to great. To be fair, there's not too many of us out there. I think I'm probably <laughs> the only one. Um, but, you know, I'm owning it. Litmus Media. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.